Good morning. Good morning. Whoa, a little hot. Thank you. Um, we, uh, we're continuing this series. I know it's Advent, and so we're trying to kind of combine Advent with this series because Advent is anticipating that the Lord is going to come, and we know he's already come, but the Lord, it's also anticipating that he's going to return. And in between, the already, all the promises of God have been either fulfilled or made, and so there's the already and the not yet. Jesus has come, and he's established his kingdom, but it's all things are not yet made new. And so we're in this anticipatory time. Now, he also, though, he leaves us here to do exactly what it is that he left us here to do, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he tells us how it is that we're supposed to go about doing that. One of the things is to love one another. So we've been talking about blessing other people, you know, three, bless three people a week, try to eat with three people a week. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about learning Jesus, just getting to know him in a new way, um, getting to know him intimately, not just thoughts, not just academically. And then today, we're going to talk about listening to the Holy Spirit. And I want to just tell you going in that, that I struggle with this. I don't, I don't struggle with, with listening and being quiet. I do struggle sometimes with, with, with hearing God's voice. My wife can hear him very clearly. Uh, but, but I will say that there's a trick that the Scriptures tells us Scriptures tell us that, that sometimes in our culture, our connected culture, sometimes we miss. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to read a passage from 1 Kings. That's one of those highly devotional type passages that everybody's in all the time, if you even know where it is. It's back in the sticky pages. And we're going to be in Psalm 46. And the Psalm 46 will be kind of an example, but I want to, I want to show you from 1 Kings um, that, that God says, Pause. Now, before we get to that, before I offer prayer, I want to I, I just read, kind of remind you, let you know what's going on out there from all of us. Uh, on our website, you have this 500 neighbors thing in the upper right-hand corner, and people are recording just a few remarks about how they may have, how they tried to bless another person. I just picked a few at random, and I just, I just love them. Um, I drive one of the biggest trucks on the road around here and came to some cars on both sides of a county road. Cows were loose. The farmer had a trailer and was trying to get in, so I parked my truck next to the trailer so I could, get, uh, so I could help get the cows back in. By the time we got them in, there were at least 12 of us wrangling these cows back in the trailer. Didn't talk to anyone, just said bye and left. It was fun to see how fast people learned to, how to help. Another one, as we finished church today, our seven-year-old son said, our seven, it doesn't say son. Our seven-year-old said, I think I'm going to find someone at lunch tomorrow who, who isn't sitting with anyone and talk to them. Another one, my son and I were bike riding Sunday afternoon, obviously not, yeah. <laughs> uh, and saw a car with a flat tire. It was a single mother who was trying to contact someone to help her to no avail, so we changed her tire for her. Uh, I sent a card to an older friend who moved into an assisted living home to let her know that I was thinking about her and praying for her. I showed interest and kindness to a first-year college student. He said that he remembered being at in the campus ministry's house during the first week on campus, but hadn't been back since. He said that he really wanted to find a Bible and was hoping that we'd have a recommendation for his, for his first one. What a joy it was to gift him with his first Bible. I'm not sure which one of us was more excited. He, he just held it, looking at it, saying, really? This is mine? 
And then uh, this is the one that just gets me. Um, I gave my mother a hug. And I may have hugged her for a long time. Our relationship has been strained over many years, especially over the past year. So just looking up and seeing what God is doing, leaning in to what he has for us and living out our faith wherever the Holy Spirit leads us, this idea of just having God's eyes for people, God's heart for people, and then God's actions toward people is a good and noble thing. So I encourage you to bless to eat, to learn, to listen. And then next week, Pastor Chris and others will be talking about how to, how to be a sent one. What does it mean to be sent, that God sends us out into the world? Let's pray together, and then we'll talk about this First Kings passage. Lord, this, this passage is not one that many of us read to love. It's, it, we read some of, your, some of the Old Testament stuff with modern sensibilities, so I ask that you help us hear what you want us to hear, see what you want us to see, and so that we can become who you want us to become. Lord, when we, when we talk about Elijah, we talk about Jezebel, we talk about Ahab, and we talk about your response to these people who had, who had given their lives over to the false god Baal, help us see that you want to rescue us from the same temptations that they had, and that one of the ways to do that is to pause. Give me the words to speak, the way to speak them, and I don't want to say anything that's not of you. Pray these things in Jesus' name, through the power of your Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. A little background on this story. You probably know Elijah, uh, know about him a bit. Um, <clears throat> his successor is Elisha. Uh, so there's a J and then there's a SH, same name otherwise. Um, but here, kind of what's been going on is is, is in the last chapters before this, just so you understand the context of it. Um, Elijah had been called by God to go to Ahab, the king, who was married to Jezebel, who was a worshiper of Baal. And, and Ahab, the king of Israel, he had, he had turned, king of Judah, he had turned the people of God to Baal worship, where they sacrificed children. Um, just, it's just awful. Um, and God was saying, uh-uh. And he sent his, 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 his prophet, Elijah, to say, that's it, no more. And in fact, he went to Ahab and he said, I believe this is in 1 Kings 16, he said, unless, until it comes from my mouth, there will be famine in the land. Okay, so the rain stops, the crops stop growing. God says to Elijah, now they're, they're going to get you, so I want you to head off to the Kirith Ravine. This is, this is Wadi, and, and I've instructed the ravens to bring you, you'll drink from the brook, and they'll bring, you, they'll bring you food. And so he was there, and a lot of times we read this, and he was there, and he was there, and then God said, go off to meet this woman and her son. But it's years. For famine to kick in, if things are going well, for famine to kick in, it's at least two years, probably closer to three until all the stores of, of, of grain and everything else are, are worn out. So here's Elijah alone with God, hanging out with ravens for years. And then the first thing God calls him to do is to go, and I want, I want you to pick up and go here, and there'll be a woman there, and I've instructed her to care for you. She's going to give you something to eat. And when he finds her, she's, she's picking up stuff, and she, she's a widow, and she's got, she's got her son, and he says, will you make me something to eat? And she goes, she calls him man of God. I don't know how she knew, but, but she goes, um, I've just got this little bit left, and then my son and I are going to eat this, and then we're going to die. And he says, make me some first, kind of selfish, but... And I assure you, because God says that your flour won't run out and neither will your oil. 
And God does a miraculous thing when this little boy, over time, he ends up dying. And, and Elijah lays over him uh, three times and calls out to God, and God raises him from the dead. After that, God tells Elijah to head off and go back and confront Ahab and tell Ahab that the rain's going to come, but first I'm going to do something there. So he goes off to find Ahab. He has to talk to Obadiah to get there, but he goes and he tells Ahab to, to bring all of his prophets from Baal. I think there's 700 something of them, might be 450, um, but bring them all to this spot and he brings them all to the spot. And then he says to them things like this. He goes, I want you to, 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 to cut up this particular animal and put it there and then put it on the altar. And then you get the prophets of Baal, Baal to call on their God and ask him to burn this beef this slaughtered animal. And they're running around all day long. They're circling, they're yelling, they're screaming. He's like, shout louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Why don't you, why don't you, maybe he's real busy and he's thinking about something. Just louder, louder. And they get all in a frenzy and nothing happens. And then he says, people of God, why don't you come gather around me? They fix the altar that had been decimated. And, and he cuts up the an animal and puts it there. And then he says, soak it with water. No, now soak it again. Now soak it again. So much that the trench around the altar had filled with water. And then he calls on God and God lights it on fire, burns up the stone and even sucks up. And it says that the, the flames lapped up the water. There's a miraculous thing that God just did saying that I am the true God, not the gods that you worship. And then, and then Jezebel promises Elijah that he will die. And so he takes off. He's scared. He runs away with his, with his buddy. And they go off and they get to a certain spot. And he tells his buddy, you, go, you stay here. I'm going on. And he sits, to, he sits down under a tree and he cries out to God. And he says, it would be better if I were dead. And God sends an angel and he feeds him. And then he goes back to sleep and he feeds him again. And he goes back to sleep. And then God comes to him through the, and says, I want you to go to this spot. And where he's going is Mount Sinai, Horeb, this, this spot where God had given the commandments to God's people. And Elijah heads off there, and he's in this cave. And it says that the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah, as if God doesn't know? I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And his tone changed. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord said, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Yehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Japhath, <laughs> I always have trouble with this word, uh, from Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. 
Yehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Yehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, that's, it's tough with modern Western sensibilities to look at ancient Semitic culture and how God interacted with Elijah and how he interacted with his people. Because he says, all but 7,000 are going to die. Why? Because God will not tolerate sin. God will not tolerate abomination. God will not tolerate murder in the name of any God. But I want you to see that the world in Elijah's eyes has fallen apart. Everything that he believed in, everything that he hoped for, everything that he stood for has absolutely, he's seen God do unbelievably miraculous things. From his mouth, Elijah speaks a word of God and God responds. Everything from famine and being fed by ravens for years to raising a young boy from the dead to um, calling down God to, 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 to take up a burnt offering that is soaked with water, all in the face of the people who want him dead. He's seen time after time after time, he's seen God do miraculous, amazing things. But he's still looking at the desolation, looking at, at, at what his people have become and, and knowing that God is going to judge. And so he has that moment. I'm the only one left, Lord. And what does God say? Go back in the, go on the mountain. I'm coming. And he comes by in wind. And then he comes by, wind comes by and then an earthquake and then fire. But what does God, what does it say in the scriptures? But God was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. Where was he? In the still, quiet whisper. Our lives can be crazy. Elijah, I forgot to tell you this one piece. When he was laying, yeah, I, I did tell you that he just wanted, it's better if I weren't dead. He was hoping that the Lord would just take his life because it was, it was that bad for him. And the Lord, yeah, he communicates in the fire. He communicates in the earthquake. He communicates uh, in, the, in, in the wind. And we've been told over time that sometimes if you hear about revelation, that, 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 that God's voice is like lightning coming from his mouth or thunder. He, he speaks in torrent. He speaks in hurricanes. He speaks in many different ways. Thunder. But how does, that's when God must speak to his people and his people have to be shocked but look in Scripture. When does God speak to his individual person most often? Is he in the noise? Where does Jesus go when things get tough? Where does Jesus go when he's about to go into something that's difficult? When he's about to cross over to the Decapolis where, where, where the worshipers of Baal live? When, when the storm comes to try to, to, to try to kill him and his disciples, where does he go? Off to a quiet place. Quiet place. God is not in the noise. And I'm not saying that I believe that God isn't omnipresent. I, I've tried to find this guy again. <clears throat> I read it late last week. And for some reason, however I searched for it, 
I can't find it again. But there's a guy who gives a testimony, and he's driving down the road. His life, he just, I don't know if he just lost his job, but his life is just in chaos. And he goes, God, why is it that you only speak in a still, quiet voice? Why can't you be louder? And he said, his, his words, he said, I'm driving down the road, and God whispers loudly, yeah, that's how I talk, and that's the only way you're going to get it. And the guy, he said, I, I immediately turned to repentance and gratitude, thankful that God had spoken clearly enough to correct me, and also thankful that God does speak. God still speaks, but not in the noise. And we are so full of noise that sometimes we can't hear him and we feel abandoned by him. But if God is speaking and we can't hear him, he hasn't abandoned us. We've busied ourselves so much that we can't hear him. Seven years ago, the end of, two, end of October, uh, Lynn and I were here and I was preaching as a candidate. Um, you were going to vote the following Sunday on whether or not to call me as pastor here. And Lynn and I left here, went home, changed our clothes, got our suitcases, drove to Grand Rapids, uh, Gerald R. Ford Airport to go down to Central Texas. And just a side note that has nothing to do with anything, but Lynn forgot her ID. And we had to go through, custom, you know, the, not customs, but, you know, the security. And um, we didn't have time to go back and get it. We didn't have time to get anyone to come to us. So they got on the phone and they started, it's amazing what they know. They're like, what car did you own three cars ago? I'm standing next to her. She has no idea. It was a 2004 Plymouth Voyager. Um, but the questions they asked, the things they knew, it was unbelievable. We got on the flight. We ended up having it FedEx to us later. But we went to a place called Selah Ranch. And it's just a place for pastors and spouses to come. And one of the things they asked us to do, they said, if you need it for emergencies, if you have family, whatever, if you want to turn your phone on for half an hour a day, feel free. And we're not going to enforce this, but we're just asking you to turn off the noise. And we turned off the noise. We, we got rid of our cell phones. Um, we turned them on half an hour a day. Both of our kids were in college at the time. So just in case something happened, uh, we turned them back on. Um, but there was a day about three days in that they had a bunch of ponds there on this Texas ranch and they grow big largemouth bass. So Lynn and I got in the car and we were going to go down to a farm and fleet store. To, I'm going to just get a little spinning rod and a couple of flukes to, to just walk around quietly and see if I might catch a 10 pound largemouth, you know, just all, all, the, all of them were like this. But when we got in the car, I needed GPS to know where I was going. So I turned my phone on with data and I had about 96 emails and texts that, weren't, that I had no idea were coming. Some were for some, from some of you. Some were from my former church who were trying to either encourage me to leave or ask me not to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we're about five minutes. We just got out. The ranch is huge. So we're, we pull out of the ranch. And we were in the car about five minutes. And Lynn looks at me and goes, what just happened? I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you just, there's a change on you. I said, the noise just came back. This leaving a place that you've been 21 years, stepping into some place that you don't, you know 12 people by name, and, and I, I don't know what to do, but the noise just came back. 
And so we found the farmer fleet, we got the fishing rod, we came back, and I spent two hours walking around with no more noise, thanking God that there's quiet, thanking God for discernment, thanking God that, that, that we still have the ability to stop the noise. If you want to learn to hear the voice of God the way he speaks to you, and he speaks to me differently than he speaks to my wife, because he knows her differently and she is different than, than, than he knows me, and, and I am different than her. But if you want to learn to hear God, I promise you, it is hard to hear the voice of God in the noise. Lynn and I were at Red Robin the other day, and we went to Crazy Horse at 5.15 on Thursday, but it was so full already that there was a half-hour wait. We don't do half-hour waits. So we headed over to Red Robin. We're sitting there, and they put us in one of those booths that's just big enough for me. <clears throat> and hearing aids and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of noise in the place. And I noticed that even if I adjust my hearing aids so that they only focus in front of me, that, that I can only hear Lynn if I'm paying attention to her. And so I have to look at her mouth. I have to look at her face. I have, to, I, have to, I, I have to get her gaze. I have to see her countenance. And I, it, well, hearing aids or not, I guarantee you that if you think about this, you will notice this. If you're in a large place, if you're in the commons area out here in a few minutes, there are plenty of other voices, plenty of other noise that you can hear. You can tune in to someone else, but it's whoever you're paying attention to is the voice you hear. But if someone behind you is trying to get your attention and they're whispering and you're not paying attention to them, you will never hear them. I have it sometimes when I walk through there, if I forget my hearing aids or one of them goes dead and someone says, Pastor Trent, and I don't, I'm not, I don't hear them. So I look aloof or I, I, I seem rude. It's just that I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention, therefore I did not hear. And God has a remedy for that, for hearing his voice. Remember Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8? He says, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure or lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What is he saying? Pay attention to me. Your attention should be on me, especially in the noise. The Psalm 46, and I'm going to read it the way it's written, and you're going to notice something. So I'm going to ask you to listen for the noise that the psalmist is talking about and God's response to it, and then you'll hear some pauses, and there's a point to it. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart, heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God's our refuge, even when things are going crazy. The word Selah. It's unknown exactly what it means, but it has always been stop, consider, think, pray. But the key is stop. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The, God, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought to the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in, in the earth. And the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If you look at Psalm 47, and you look at many of the Psalms, you will see Selah. So Lynn and I went away to this place called Selah Ranch, and there we discerned that we believed that God was calling us here. I don't think we would have discerned that if we were hearing the noise of the loyalty that we had where we were and the hearts of the people that were where we were. We had to turn off the noise. And whether you think we accurately discern that or not, it's irrelevant. If you want to hear God's voice, if you want to listen to the Holy Spirit, turn off the noise. Because God uses fire, he uses thunder, he uses earthquakes. He, he speaks loudly often, but that's when he's speaking to the earth, to the world, to, the, to, to large groups of people. How does he speak to you and me? Not in the noise. So I encourage you to take 15 minutes today. Put your phone in airplane mode or turn it off. There's this little button up here that you push and you hold it, and then for some of us, there's a little thing you have to slide, and it just turns it right off, and the world will not end. Turn off your television. Turn off whatever news channel you have going or whatever sports thing you have going on. Just turn it off, and just sit quietly. You don't have to read right now. You don't even have to pray right now. Just sit quietly and say, Lord, whisper. Let me hear you. And see what happens. If you're like me, you'll be frustrated after 15 minutes because I heard nothing. All I hear is my own thoughts. So I'm going to share some wisdom that my wife shared with me. She goes, God, how do I tell if it's your voice or mine? And he said quietly, every thought you have of me that matches the scriptures is my voice. We don't have thoughts of God alone. We have thoughts of God because God is whispering and calling us to himself. Romans backs me up. No one seeks God. No one. The only way we come toward God, the only way we hear, we have thoughts of him is because God has whispered those thoughts into us so that, so that his children will seek him. No one seeks him on their own, but if God calls and his people hear, then his people respond. God is not in the noise. Again, I'm not saying he's not omnipresent. I'm saying that I have never heard him. 
nor do I know anyone that has, when they've got chaos around them because it's self-created. We must stop, realize that the world does not end if we turn it off for a while. That's the whole idea of the Sabbath. Give the creation a break from you and give yourself a break from creation and hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Speak, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see that which you want us to hear and you want us to see. And Lord, teach us to hear your voice because you tell us that your sheep know your voice and you know us by name. So Lord, help your sheep, all of us, know your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me and receive God's parting blessing? Well, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, that he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and honor and dominion, both now and forevermore. Amen.